We meet today in Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. We're looking at Hezekiah and Assyria. In the irony of history, Hezekiah would come to the throne at a time when Judah was once again threatened by an invasion from the north. Thus, Isaiah jumps historically from the threat of King Ahaz, an unbeliever, to the renewed threat in the days of Hezekiah, a believer. Assyria threatens to invade Jerusalem. Isaiah 36 verse 1 tells us, Now it came to pass in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Now you will recall that Isaiah began his prophetic ministry when King Uzziah died, and he continued it through the reigns of Jotam, Ahaz, and now King Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the five great kings of Judah. During the reigns of these five kings, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Johash, Hezekiah, and Josiah, the revival came to the land of Judah. It was during their reign, revival came. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabsekah with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Isaiah 36 verse 2. Now here, note that the Rabsheke is the title for the chief officer of the Assyrian army. It's not his real name here. So Sennacherib did not condense to come personally, but instead he sent an army chief. They are now packed now outside the gates of Jerusalem, and the general is attempting to put fear in the hearts of Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem so that they will surrender. Hezekiah sent out a delegation of three to receive the terms offered by Sennacherib. So let us now hear the demands given by Assyria to Jerusalem to surrender. Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? Isaiah 36 verse 4 The Rabshakeh arrogantly expresses surprise that Hezekiah would even dare resist, you see, and he wants to know about the secret weapon in which Hezekiah trusts. You see, my friend, the enemy will always scorn you even when you trust God, remember the scorns and the ridicule hailed at Nehemiah when they were building the walls of Jerusalem. What is it which God will protect you? So the enemy says. It is a similar language from the Rabshak here. His suggestion, he thinks, if you will do anything, maybe you might even turn to Egypt. But what is Egypt anyway? The Assyrian host was then on the way to Egypt to capture that kingdom and was incensed that Jerusalem blocked the way. The facts were that Hezekiah had hoped for help again from Egypt, as had Ahaz his father before him. But Hezekiah wouldn't get any help from Egypt. The Rabshakeh was right about that. 
Then he suggests another possibility. Could there be another possibility? But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? You see, next here the Rabshakeh asks, is it true that you are depending upon your God? Here is where his lack of spiritual discernment gave him a wrong cue here. He says, don't you know that Hezekiah had all the high places destroyed? You see, for this man, he thought worship was at the hidden altars out yonder on the hilltops. He thought that worship was the same as the worship of the living God in Jerusalem. He thought Hezekiah had destroyed the worship of the people so that they had no gods to tend to. <laughs> How wrong he was. But you see, that was the perspective when Hezekiah was doing exactly what God needed to destroy those altars. The onlookers, those who did not know God, thought their gods are now dead, so no God will fight for them. The Rabshake was wrong. Now the third possibility suggested by the Rabshake reveals the haughty attitude, the proud attitude, the arrogant attitude of the Assyrian. Listen to this. Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you are able on your part to put riders on them. Isaiah 36 verse 8. You see, there was the slim possibility that Hezekiah was depending on his own resources and manpower to defend Jerusalem. So the Rabshake offers to make things just about equal by giving Hezekiah 2,000 horses. He, of course, is ridiculing them. What a ridicule. To say, I will give you the horses and then you put riders on those horses. What a way to taunt the people of God. But also there is the fourth possibility suggested by the Rabshaker. And this one is the most subtle of all. Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Isaiah 36 verse 10. Here the Rabshaker suggested that the Lord of Israel has sent the Assyrian against Jerusalem and that he is therefore on the side of the Assyrian. How subtle it is. In this particular case, the true God used the Assyrian to destroy his people, but he is not going to let the enemy take Jerusalem. Now, Eliakim, Shebna, and Johak ask the Rabshakeh to speak in the Syrian language. By the way, all this time, he has been speaking so loudly in the Hebrew language that the soldiers on the walls of Jerusalem could hear. He was great at giving out propaganda. Enemies always do that, by the way. He was yelling out his ideas at the top of his voice so that the soldiers on the wall would get the word to the people in Jerusalem. And he wanted to get it past these emissaries. Of course, their protest only caused the Rabshakeh 
to talk a little louder. Isaiah 36 verse 18 to verse 20 says, Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Appad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Indeed, they have delivered Samaria from my hand. Who among all the gods of this land have delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? You see, the Rabshakeh is even pronouncing these statements louder. And what is his boast? He arrogantly boasts that none of the gods of the other people have delivered them. Why should the Israelites expect the Lord Jehovah to deliver Jerusalem? So you see, he placed Jehovah God on par with the heathens God. Again, he was wrong. He did not understand the God of the Hebrews, the God of all creation. So what happens now? The representatives report Assyrians' bitter terms. They take this report to King Hezekiah. Finally, the emissaries bring the word to Hezekiah the king. What do they say? Then Eliakim, the son of Helkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of the Rabshak. Isaiah 36, verse 22. You see here the messengers return uh, to report these doleful words to Hezekiah. They are almost devastated. And what happens? They have torn clothes. And here torn clothes is suggesting something. By the way, you need to understand that clothes speak of the dignity and the glory of men. Now, torn clothes indicate humiliation and utter shame. This is a dejected and discouraged delegation that brings to Hezekiah the message from the king of Assyria. They are already defeated before any battle has taken place. Now, what is Hezekiah's reaction to that report? Now, notice what Hezekiah does when this report reaches him. Isaiah 37 verse 1. And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Now, again, I need to highlight here, in Isaiah chapter 36, when King Uzziah died, he was in gloom. He was in a depression. What did he do? He did what every child of God ought to do in a time of crisis. He turned to the Lord. He went to the house of the Lord. Asaph, the psalmist in Psalm 78, was perplexed at how the wicked prosper. And he tells us, but it was only when he went to the sanctuary that he understood the end of the wicked. And so he said, I had almost slipped. 
Now Hezekiah's reaction to the report of his messengers reveals a man of faith. In his extremity, he turns to God and goes to the house of the Lord. Now Hezekiah sends his message to Isaiah, the prophet. This is another act of faith. You see, he wants a word from God. So he says, I've gone into the house of the Lord. But what does the man of God say? Does the man of God have any word for me? So the messengers are sent to Isaiah the prophet. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. Isaiah 37 verse 3. You see, the message to Isaiah is ominous, black and pessimistic. It is a day of trouble, rebuke and blasphemy. And he highlights to say, we are at a point where children must be born, but picturing a woman who no longer has the strength to give birth so that the children can come forth. If that does not happen, what will happen is simply death. So it is a day of trouble, rebuke, and blasphemy. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Isaiah 37 verse 4. You see, this is the message that goes to Isaiah. He speaks of the Lord as your God, not as our God. Why didn't he say our God to begin with? Well, however, he will correct this in his prayer in verse 20 of this same chapter. But he says, God has a word. Please give us that word. And what happens? Then encouragement from the Lord comes through Isaiah. Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servant of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Isaiah 37 verse 6. You see, God gives assurance to Hezekiah that the blasphemy of the Assyrian has not escaped his attention. <laughs> Likewise, God cannot nor will not ignore it. He cannot ignore it. He will not ignore it. The threatening letter to Hezekiah. You see, when the Rabshak got back to his army, he learned that the king of Assyria had left Lachish and was going to war against Libna. A rumor came that the main force of the Assyrian army was being attacked by the Egyptian army. The Rabshak withdrew from Jerusalem temporarily to assist the main force of the Assyrian army. But to save face, he dispatched a letter from Sennacherib to Hezekiah, saying, I will be back. The message of the letter was another attempt to shake Hezekiah's faith in God's deliverance. Listen to this. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Isaiah 37 verse 10. 
You see, he repeats the same words of the Rabshakeh. And he goes beyond the former word and boasts that no God of any nation had delivered the people out of the hand of the Assyrian. And Hezekiah prays. Here is Hezekiah's prayer. Now notice the reaction of Hezekiah. When Hezekiah received the letter, he went to God directly and spread it before him. Then he prayed one of the truly great prayers of scripture. Here is Isaiah 37. Verse 15 to verse 20. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you alone. That's a wonderful prayer coming from Hezekiah. And again, you can see he records here, not as he did earlier on to tell Isaiah of your God, but he now says, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand. Hezekiah he shows God the letter and calls attention to the fact that this letter was directly against him. It was not directly against Hezekiah, but it was against God. He pleaded with God to hear and deliver his people from the threatening Assyrian army. And he says, see the blasphemy, see the boasting, you alone can intervene. What does God do? Indeed, God answers through Isaiah. God says that he has heard the blasphemy of the Assyrian. Now notice how he will deal with him. Isaiah 37 verse 29. Because your rage against me and your tumult, he gave up to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips. And I will turn your back by the way which you came. You see, now God gives his word of comfort and assurance to his people. He is dealing with the enemy. To this shall be a sign to you. You shall eat this year such as grows of itself. And the second year what springs from the same. Also in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. Isaiah 37 Verse 30. You see, the primary thought is that the children of Judah would continue on the land a little longer. And while things are still difficult, God will provide for them. But after things have settled, he would want them to work the land. They must stay in the land for a little longer. Not the boldness of this prophecy. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, 
nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mold against it. Isaiah 37 verse 33. Now, if one of the 185,000 Assyrian soldiers had accidentally shot an arrow over the walls of Jerusalem, God's word would have been inaccurate here. But they never shot an arrow. How wonderful the promise of God is. And it was very wonderful for them. His promises are also wonderful for you and me today. As we face the challenges of this life, he will deliver us. So God destroys the Assyrian army now in his own power. Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. Isaiah 37 verse 36. You see what happened is that in the morning the men who were stationed on the walls of Jerusalem saw an amazing sight. The enemies they saw feared were now lifeless corpses. God had worked a powerful miracle. Now it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the house of Nishrok, his God, that his sons, Adra, Melech, and Shareza, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Asahadon, his son, reigned in his place. Isaiah 37, verse 38. Now, actually, secular history confirms the fact that Sennacherib was murdered by his sons. You see, even though the king was right in his palace, his sons came and worked him and killed him. Is it just happening accidentally? No, God is moving. It was about this time that the great kingdom of Assyria began to disintegrate and eventually was taken over by Babylon. God had already let Isaiah know that he was preparing a kingdom down on the banks of the Euphrates River, which would be the one to take the southern kingdom of Judah into captivity. My friend, God knew that though he delivered his people by this tremendous miracle in the days of Hezekiah, soon the day would return when he again would say, Alas! Sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel, they have turned backward. That prophecy was given in Isaiah 1 verse 4, and it would come to pass. What do we learn? God is also in charge of secular history. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.